everyone and welcome to another edition of the Zach Curl Sports Podcast. We are here on this Thursday previewing each and everything going on in the NFL as we lead up to week number six. And we have so many things to talk about, so many games to go over for this weekend. We will also have an opinion from me on who in order are the best 10 teams in the NFL right now. I appreciate you guys for listening. My name is Zach Kroll. I love talking about sports. I love talking about the NFL here on this show. So without further ado, just a quick uh, rundown of what we'll be doing. Starting off today's show, I'll give you guys my top 10 teams in the NFL right now. That is a new segment on this podcast that we've been doing. I really love to give you guys my take on who do I like right now? Who do I not like? How am I evaluating all of these teams? We'll then get into a thought I had on the Green Bay Packers. They're sitting at 4-1, and one, getting ready for a big divisional showdown game with the Chicago Bears in the NFC North. I wanted to talk about the Miami Dolphins a little bit. Tua Tagovailoa will be back starting under center for Miami in London against the Jaguars early on Sunday. And then we will end it with me predicting each and every game in the NFL for week number six. Before I start off today's show, you guys know the drill. Just follow me on social media if you want to get in touch with me. Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. Twitter, at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3. YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. All segments from this podcast are posted directly to the YouTube channel. Wanted to thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. Love talking sports. Love talking football on this show. Also wanted to give a quick shout out to the New York Islanders. Their season begins tonight in the NHL in Carolina. Big expectations for fans on Isles Country out in Long Island. My team, where I'm from. Let's go Islanders, man. It's been a, gr- a great last two years getting to the conference finals. It's time to take that next step. It's time to win a cup. Thank you guys for listening, and here we go. Let's talk some football here on the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. We will be starting off today's show the same way we start off every Thursday episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast, and that is me checking in with you guys and giving you, in my opinion, in order, who are the top 10 teams in the NFL right now from best to worst. And there are 10 teams on this list. I think what makes this list so good is that each week it changes. In the NFL, even though sometimes you could have the best record and look like the best team in the month of October, the season is so long. Injuries, many things change. So this list keeps on changing within each week of the NFL season. And I love talking about all of the teams on it why I moved so-and-so up, why I moved so-and-so down. So without further ado, let's do it. My top 10 teams in the NFL right now, starting from number 10. At number 10, Kansas City. And I know a lot of people are going to ask me, Zach, how could you even have 
the Kansas City Chiefs on this list when they literally proved to all of us that their defense could be one of the worst defenses we have ever seen. And here's the thing about Kansas City's defense that stands out to me, right? Usually when you have a bad defense, they're at least good at one thing. They can at least handle one or two things well. That's not Kansas City. When they get to the red zone, they give up touchdowns. They can't get pressure on the quarterback. Their secondary isn't good. Their defense has to get better. The reason why I still have Kansas City at number 10 is because I just refuse to believe that their offense is this bad. I still think Kansas City will find a way to make the playoffs. And I'll tell you one thing that's for sure. If Kansas City ends up making the playoffs as a wild card and don't win the division, which right now is looking entirely possible, I don't think there would be one team in the NFL that would really have any interest in playing them. However, I just think given what has happened so far on the defensive side of the ball, that unit is so bad that they're super vulnerable. And if they keep turning the ball over as much as they have, they're not going to be winning many football games. However, I will also say they've had one of the harder schedules in the NFL up to this point. The Chargers, the Ravens, the Browns, the Bills. Let's wait and see that schedule lighten up a little bit like it will over the next couple weeks until I really start full-on, full-fledged panicking with Kansas City. But they played terrible on Sunday night. They deserve to be moved down all the way to number 10. At number 9 will be another team in the AFC. That is the Baltimore Ravens. And I think the reason why the Ravens are one of the tougher teams to rank in this top 10, a couple reasons. Lamar Jackson is great. He has a legitimate argument to win NFL MVP at this point. I will totally agree on that. However, his play has been so good that it has literally elevated the Ravens from a team that could very easily be 1-4 right now. You remember, some of the ways that this team has pulled out games to start the season is unbelievable. Whether it was the game against Kansas City on Sunday Night Football, that comeback. Justin Tucker, 66-yard field goal to beat the Detroit Lions. You also had the game last week, Monday Night Football, against the Indianapolis Colts, where all of a sudden... After really looking lifeless for the first three-plus quarters of that game, Lamar was absolutely brilliant late in that game, somehow, someway, finding a way to bring the Ravens back from a 16-point deficit. And watching that game, there were a couple things that really stood out to me. And the number one thing in particular was, as soon as the Ravens cut it to eight, I was like, nah, this game is over. There is no way Lamar Jackson is letting the Ravens lose. He just was able to take control of the game and do whatever he could to find a way to win. There are very few players, let alone quarterbacks in the NFL, that could do that. That could just say, you know what? My team is refusing to lose this game. Hop on my back. And I think Lamar has really improved as a passer. And part of that might just be how banged up the Ravens are specifically at the running back position where they've just had really no choice but to throw the ball a little bit more. And Lamar Jackson over the last couple years has really improved as a passer. You hope with Rashad Bateman coming back sooner rather than later that this Ravens offense, especially on the passing end, could just keep on improving considering how many injuries they had 
right before the season started. Baltimore deserves a lot of credit. All they do is win football games. At number eight on my list, we'll stay in the AFC North. It's Cleveland. And look, the Browns are a very interesting team in my opinion because we saw what they did last year. They were able to just use that formula of running the ball and that great offensive line they had and an all right defense and an all right quarterback. And they would just always be able to find a way to win football games. And what I'm curious about with Cleveland this season is that at some points to start, their defense has actually looked really good. Remember when they played the Bears and just shut down Justin Fields? They even did okay in the first half of that game against Kansas City. Miles Garrett is an animal. The game against Minnesota, they really held a pretty decent Vikings offense in check, in a dome. They only gave up seven points. But then on Sunday, in week number five, you saw what the Los Angeles Chargers were able to do to this Cleveland defense, just going right down the field with no mercy at all, and even when the Chargers missed the extra point, which at one point could have given Cleveland the win, you know, the Chargers were down seven, they, they scored a touchdown to go down one, and they missed the extra point. I feel like a great team would have been able to put their foot on the gas at that point and just say, that's it, they made one mistake, that's going to cost them. And then meanwhile, as much as I love Kevin Stefanski, he's out here running the ball on third and eight, That just showed me that no matter how well Baker Mayfield could play in a particular game, especially in these shootouts against some of the better quarterbacks in the league, he's just not the guy you're going to bet on to win. You need your quarterback on that third and eight to step up and make a big-time throw. And the fact that Stefanski didn't even attempt to make a throw in that one tells me all I need to know. I think Cleveland is a little bit hard to trust right now because of the question mark at quarterback. However, around the QB position, I still think they're a solid team. I think their defense is like back-end top 10, maybe a little bit higher. But at the same time, I know one thing is for sure. They're not a team that's equipped to get into shootouts. They need their defense to play better than they did on Sunday against the Chargers. And look, the Chargers playing in a dome, that's one of the better offenses in the league. We're not going to have a full-on, full-fledged panic attack about that. But... Cleveland's an interesting team because I feel like everyone has just assumed their defense has been much better and at some points it has, but they got roasted against the Chargers in week number five. I want to see Cleveland's defense do a little bit better than that. At number seven in my top 10, this may surprise some people, but Tampa Bay right now is my number seven team in the NFL and I get it. Tom Brady has gotten off to a a historically good start throwing Five touchdowns and over 400 yards in week number five against the Miami Dolphins. And he is only getting better as he gets older. However, the one concern I have for Tampa Bay right now at this point is injuries. Their secondary is super banged up. And one thing we saw last year with Tampa Bay was even though they were a great team, even though they were able to find a way to go ahead and win that Super Bowl, They really got lucky with injuries. They were a team that stayed healthy for the majority of the season. And now already this year, their secondary, which hasn't been great to begin with, is super banged up. It looks like Levante David is going to miss the game tonight, Thursday Night Football. Tampa Bay will be at Philly. We'll get into that game specifically later in the picks. But I just think Tampa Bay, their defense just flat out hasn't been as good as it was last year. 
And even though Tom Brady is still balling out at this point in his career, it's super impressive what he's been able to do at this age. And when we get to the playoffs, there are going to be very few teams and very few quarterbacks that you are going to feel comfortable betting over Tom Brady. But at the same time, I just think the Buccaneers defense needs to get better. And right now, as we enter week number six, there are plenty of teams in the NFL that are just a little bit more balanced than Tampa Bay on both sides of the ball. However, they are 4-1. and one. They clearly are the best team right now in the NFC South. And we'll see what Tampa Bay looks like as we get closer and closer to postseason play. At number six, I will have another NFC team. It's actually the team that the Buccaneers beat in the NFC Championship game last year. And that is the Green Bay Packers. And look, I think the Packers are a team that, as crazy as this sounds aren't getting a lot of attention right now considering what they've been able to do. And we saw them on Sunday against the Bengals, right? That was clearly a game they easily could have lost if Evan McPherson hit one of multiple field goal attempts late in the fourth quarter and throughout overtime. If he hits one of those picks, the Bengals could have easily won. However, what I've been impressed with Green Bay about, they've always just been able to find a way to win these games. Between beating San Francisco in week three, when they were winning for most of the game, and their defense let Jimmy Garoppolo march right down the field uh, late in the fourth quarter, but still 37 seconds, that was too much time to give Aaron Rodgers. They find a way to win that game. They find a way to beat Detroit on Monday Night Football after they got off to a bad start and were trailing at halftime in that game. Even in week number four against the Steelers, it wasn't the best game they've played but they still just somehow, someway find a way to win. And Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, that duo, as the more I watch them, it's hitting me like, wow, Devontae Adams is a once-in-a-generation type wide receiver. And as long as 12 and 17 are out there on the field for Green Bay, they're going to be able to just somehow, someway find a way to win games. Matt LaFleur in the regular season, that's all he does is win games. And even though... Green Bay's defense isn't the perfect unit. Hopefully, they'll get Darius Smith back sooner rather than later. I do think their defense has been a little bit better than expected, especially after what we saw from them in week one, getting blown out by the Saints. I think the Packers are a team that are always just going to find a way to be in that conversation. They are my number six team in the NFL right now. We'll stay in the NFC For number five, it's the Arizona Cardinals. And I totally understand. You're going to say, Zach, how are you going to have the only undefeated team that's left in the NFL as your number five team? And it's simple. I'll explain it. I love Kyler Murray. If you just watched his highlight reel, you would think that he's literally not only the best player in the NFL right now, but arguably the best player in NFL history. But at the same time, I just don't fully trust this team 100% yet. I want to see more. And don't get me wrong. I did not expect them to go into SoFi Stadium in week number four and just completely kill the Rams. They physically dominated them. They physically abused them in that game. However, I just want to see Kyler Murray and this offense be ready to go by the time we get to December. Because I, I'll just say it. I don't love this style of play that their offense is playing with. I just don't know if it's going to be sustainable throughout 
a now 18-week regular season plus the playoffs. You heard Chargers coach Brandon Staley say in an interview that went semi-viral over uh, the course of the week that even though the Chargers may not be the best team in terms of running the football, the reason why they always stay committed to it, especially in practice, is it because it just makes you a more physically uh, imposing team. And the more you run the ball, the tougher you get. And in the NFL, sometimes that's how games are won, especially in the month of December. It's who wins in the trenches, who wins in the line of scrimmage, and who is just the physically better and tougher team. And when Arizona's out here getting into street fight type games where they get punched in the mouth, I just want to see if they're able to respond. With that being said, the Cardinals have been much better than I would have ever expected them to be. They are one of the surprise teams this season. Cliff Kingsbury deserves to be in the coach of the year race. It's been a good start for Arizona. I just want to see a little bit more. My number four team in the NFL. Another team that would have that if you would have told me before the season started that going into week number six, they would be in my top five. I would be pretty surprised, but here they are. It's the Dallas Cowboys, and I've been so impressed with what I've seen from Dallas to start the season. And look, I get it. I still don't 100% trust Mike McCarthy as this team's head coach to take them to the promised land. However, I didn't love the Dan Quinn hire. I was kind of skeptical that the guy who came in from Atlanta, who was known to be a defensive guy, but it seems like in Atlanta, his defenses were never able to get the job done, especially after that 28-3 blown victory. I really did think that once Kyle Shanahan left, it kind of exposed Dan Quinn a little bit as a head coach, but he's he's gotten the job done with the Cowboys defense. The Cowboys defense was historically bad last year, and so far, Dan Quinn has found a way after he's came in in his first year to have this Dallas defense as one of the better units in the league. Trevon Diggs, it seems like he just is able to find a way to come up with an interception each and every time he plays football. C.D. Lamb is getting better and better. Dak is playing some of the best football of his career. Back to the defense, you know, uh, you also look at Micah Parsons. He's looking like a legitimate draft pick, and all the Cowboys do is win. Right now, they look like the best team in the NFC East, and every time I watch this team, I just get more and more impressed. I get it. They're the Cowboys. They've been a team that over the last 20 years, they've had a lot of trouble winning, right? They haven't been to an NFC Championship game since they won their last Super Bowl in 1994. It's been a long time for this Dallas Cowboy team, and maybe this could be the year. I wanted to shout out Dak again. He is proving a lot of doubters wrong. Um, he's playing some of the best football, maybe even the best football of his career. Shout out to Kellen Moore. This offense is rolling. Dallas, right now, my number four team in the NFL. At number three, we'll go back to the AFC and the Los Angeles Chargers. And look, I like the Brandon Staley hire. It was a little bit out of the box, but considering what he was able to do with the Rams last year, And just how quickly he was able to elevate himself in the coaching ranks. Keep in mind, he was a Division III football coach just five years ago. And now he's an NFL head coach of one of the best teams in the league. The Chargers are a perfect example of just sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Because let's face it, throughout the past five years, 
a lot of the talent on the Chargers now, it's it hasn't changed, right? Between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Joey Bosa and Derwin James. And even last year when they had all these guys plus Justin Herbert, the coach wasn't there. And Brandon Staley was not a guy that every team around the NFL was necessarily in a rush to hire. But the Chargers took a chance. He's the most aggressive head coach in the league. In that game against Cleveland, going for it on fourth down from your own 17-yard line, that literally got his team an extra couple points. And throughout the game, there was a tally. Staley's decisions to go for it on fourth down throughout the course of that game got the Chargers an extra eight points as a team. And guess what? If they don't have those eight points, they lose to Cleveland because they only uh, ended up winning by five. The Chargers are another team that their quarterback and their coach is so good that I feel like there are going to be many instances where they just always find a way to win. And this weekend, they go to Baltimore. I wish that game could be flexed to prime time because that game is going to be a must-watch. The Chargers are legit, man. Watching Justin Herbert get better and better throughout every week. He just makes a couple throws throughout the course of the game that make your jaw just drop. And there is so much offensive talent. There is so much talent overall. My only small concern is their defense. It hasn't been great. But Joey Bosa and Derwin James, as long as they're healthy, are difference makers. Plus Brandon Staley, that I think by the cor- by the time we get to the playoffs, the Chargers defense should hopefully be fine. You just got to hopefully pray that the combination of Bosa and James could stay healthy. But I like this Charger team. They're playing some great football. It just seems like they always are able to find a way to win football games, no matter what the circumstance, the Chargers right now are my number three team in the NFL. At number two, we will stay in the AFC with the Buffalo Bills. And it's crazy because I really didn't expect Buffalo to just go into Kansas City and quite frankly, kick the Chiefs ass the way they did. Buffalo showed up to that game In preparation for a street fight, that's exactly what happened, and Kansas City just had no response. Look, Buffalo, I've said it, the reason why I've been so impressed with them is because last year, as great as their offense was, that was literally the only capable way they could win football games. It was just that their offense was going to have to be legit, and it was. But if Josh Allen had a bad game last year, the Bills were in trouble because their defense was average at best and they couldn't run the football. This year, their defense has been really good. And it's funny because in week two and week three and week four, we saw Buffalo's defense play really well, but it was against some backup quarterbacks. There wasn't a legit opponent like Patrick Mahomes, especially going on the road in a tough environment that that Bills defense had to deal with. And now Buffalo goes into Kansas City. They are able to withstand that hour weather delay at halftime. And their defense balled out and cost Patrick Mahomes to play, which I think was the worst game in his career that I've ever seen him play. It was that bad. The Bills defense is legit. Their offense keeps on producing at an elite level. Josh Allen looks like he's the real deal. There are so many good young quarterbacks around the league right now. And Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, what these Bills have been able to build over the course of the last four or five years since they've gotten there has been super impressive. And I'll give them credit with this. They believed in Josh Allen and the physical attributes when, quite frankly, not a lot of others did. Buffalo, right now, my number two team in the NFL, and that belief and trust in Josh Allen 
has really paid off. And to end this, my number one team in the NFL right now is the Los Angeles Rams. And I get it. You're going to watch Thursday Night Football and say, Zach, how could you say the Rams are the number one team in the NFL when they went into Seattle and they won the game and Russell Wilson got hurt, but they weren't really that impressive doing it. Matthew Stafford missed a handful of throws. And the reason why I bring that up is because the fact that they played so poorly and were still able to find a way to go on the road and win that game in Seattle, that really impressed me. They were able to, on a night where they didn't play their best football, Matthew Stafford was sailing ball after ball after ball. They gave Seattle plenty of chances to come back and win the game, but the Rams still were able to escape with a victory. I feel like sometimes we forget that's how teams are great. When on a night where they're not able to play their best game, something's a little off, they're dealing with some adversity, and still they're able to buckle down and just find a way to win. It's not college football, right? We don't need style points in the NFL. At the end of the day, the seven teams that are going to end up making the playoffs in each conference are simply the ones that have the most amount of wins and the least amount of losses. And if you would have asked the Rams, or quite frankly, any other team before the season started, that would you take four and one after week five going into week six, or would you just want to see how it all plays out? I feel like most coaches would sign for that. The Rams are sitting at 4-1 and one right now. I think Matthew Stafford, as time goes on, is going to look more and more comfortable in this offense. You hope that the hand is okay and he'll be able to throw the ball fine. But I do think right now, considering how deep the Rams are, Donald and Ramsey on defense, Robert Woods, it was great to finally see him get involved. I like their offensive line. Like McVay, obviously. Raheem Morris looks fine and well-built to replace Brandon Staley. I think right now the Rams, my number one team in the NFL. So to recap, my top 10, Kansas City at number 10, Baltimore at number nine, Cleveland at number eight, Tampa at number seven, the Packers of Green Bay at number six, Cardinals at number five, Cowboys at number four, Chargers at number three, Bills at number two, and the Rams, number one team in the NFL right now. That has been Zach's top 10. Going into week six. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers are one of the more interesting teams in the league, in my opinion. If you missed it on Sunday, somehow, some way, after a handful of mixed kicks, of missed kicks throughout the end of the fourth quarter and overtime, the Packers were able to find a way to go into Cincinnati and leave with a victory over the Bengals, which gave them a record of 4-1. and one. And it's interesting because the Packers are a team that a lot of stuff has happened to in the last year. I will go to my grave with the belief that in 2020, the Green Bay Packers were the best team in the NFL. And I really did think that they were going to win the Super Bowl last year. And the loss they suffered... At home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like I am not exaggerating when I say this, I actually think it's one of the worst losses they've had in franchise history just because I thought they were the better team and they were playing at home and everything was in their favor, but unfortunately they were not able to go to the Super Bowl. And I get it when it comes to Aaron Rodgers 
throughout the course of his career, the opinion has been pretty similar in the sense that he is so talented. He could do things on a football field that not many others can in terms of the throws he could make deep downfield and the insane angles he takes on some of those throws. He has an absolute cannon and he could do things that not a lot of other players or quarterbacks in the NFL could match. But when it comes to the big game, when it comes to um, being a leader for your team and just somehow, some way, finding a way to win the tough games when things may not be going in your team's direction. Like when Aaron Rodgers faces adversity and he needs to pick up the Packers, sometimes he isn't the best at doing that. And I think if I were to have one criticism on the career of Aaron Rodgers, which has been obviously Hall of Fame worthy, he's been a great quarterback, I want to see him take control when situations aren't necessarily going the best in Green Bay. We've seen plenty of times since the start of his career where the Packers have just gotten off to some ridiculous starts. Remember, they go 15-1 and the year after they won that Super Bowl and lost that playoff game to the New York Giants. You look at last year, even the NFC Championship game in 2016 against Atlanta, There have been plenty of times where I thought the Packers were Super Bowl bound and they just quite frankly didn't show up in the big game when they needed to show up the most. And based on everything that went down with Aaron Rodgers during the offseason, as crazy as this sounds, I didn't really blame him for his actions. I said that, look, he just wanted to be a little bit more involved within the organization. He just wanted his opinion to be known in terms of the moves that were going to be made, especially on draft night when it came to selecting Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers was under the impression that the Packers were going to draft a wide receiver. And that was uh, very, very appropriate, I think, for him to believe just because the season prior, the Packers actually made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. But we remember what happened. Not only did they lose, but they got blown out by the 49ers. And it was clear that Green Bay as great of a season as they had that year, as great as Aaron Rodgers was, they didn't feel like a Super Bowl team, and they needed more. And then last year, Aaron Rodgers came out and was the best player in football. He won the MVP, and he had the Packers rolling. And then you look at this year, he just really wasn't happy with the overall direction the organization was going in. And really, when it came to a lot of the other moves that were made, he wasn't happy, obviously, that his guy, Jake Kumaro, got let go. I don't think that was the biggest deal in the world to many other football fans, but he just had no idea that he was going to be getting cut. And that was a guy that throughout the course of camp that year, like he was really able to develop some good chemistry with, and it came as a shock to him. But there were many people that were saying the Packers are a team that you know, the distractions and everything that has gone down with Aaron Rodgers over the course of the offseason, that was going to affect them in the regular season. And they are not a team that could be trusted to get back to the promised land and go to the Super Bowl. Like there were plenty of people saying that. And even though I did think there was some validity to that at some points, I remember in week one, after watching the Packers just getting completely obliterated by the New Orleans Saints. They didn't even show up in that game. Like that was a disappointing effort. However, since that game, the Packers are 4-0 and they are now sitting with a record of 4-1 going into their week number six matchup with 
the Chicago Bears on the road, big divisional game there. And I just think it's so interesting because Green Bay was actually my pick to come out of the NFC uh, before the season started. I had them losing in the Super Bowl to Kansas City. And I think what's so interesting is that personally, I've been really impressed with what Green Bay has been able to do over the last couple weeks, right? I think as the weeks have progressed, they've been getting better and better as a football team. And even though I started off this segment by saying sometimes, especially historically in the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers will have a tough time dealing with adversity. He's a little bit of a front runner. He's at his best when everything around him is just as good as possible and everything's going great. But sometimes it's when the moments don't work out for him. He has trouble adjusting and using his greatness to recover his team from that deficit. But low-key, so far this season, like the Packers have done the opposite of that. Over the past couple years, right, and I've made this point known on this show, I like Matt LaFleur as a head coach because all he does, especially in the regular season, is win football games. We forget, as great of a quarterback as Aaron Rodgers is, his uh, last couple years before LaFleur got there and Mike McCarthy was their head coach, like they were having some 7-9, and 6-10 and 10 seasons, and I know Rodgers had some injuries, he missed a couple games, but you could clearly see with Mike McCarthy, things were getting stale in Green Bay, and they decided to go get Matt LaFleur, and all he has done has won games over the past two years. But what stands out to me in particular with the 2021 version of the Packers is that All of their wins haven't really been easy, and they're still flashing greatness at some points and just finding a way to win football games when, let's be honest, a lot of other people counted them out. I feel like even now, when you ask the common football mind, who is the best team in the NFC? The Rams, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, even the Buccaneers, obviously, you can't forget about them, but I feel like the Packers are just not off the top, the team that gets mentioned when you ask that question of who is the best team in the NFC. And they've had some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I totally understand that. You could actually make the argument that right now, their two best defenders, Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith, I, they are the probably two best defenders. I guess you could throw Kenny Clark into that conversation, but their two top dogs on the defensive side of the ball are injured. And Green Bay was still able to find a way to go into Cincinnati when Mason Crosby, their kicker, couldn't make a kick, and they were still able to find a way to win. Now, I get he hit the 49-yard field goal for the win, but I think, in a way, that symbolizes everything that's been going on with Green Bay so far this season. For the first time in a while, we are seeing Green Bay deal with some adversity and still finding a way to come out on top. The Cincinnati Bengals, I'm telling you guys right now, they're a good football team. Their defense has been one of the more surprising units in the NFL so far this season, I believe. We saw, I get it was the Jaguars, but even in that Thursday night game against Jacksonville, like Cincinnati's defense was playing really well. They're hitting hard. Joe Burrow is a star. There are very few quarterbacks in the NFL right now that I would take over him, and Aaron Rodgers was still able to find a way to go into Cincinnati and leave with a W. No matter how many kicks his kicker was missing, no matter how many points the defense of Green Bay was giving up to Joe Burrow, and I'm not even blaming them. The game was an absolute shootout. It was one of the better games I've witnessed in the NFL so far this season, but I've been impressed with 
how the Packers started off their season. They start off 0-1. They get blown out by New Orleans. And you know the talk. Everyone is saying, oh, this is all about Aaron Rodgers and the distraction that he caused this team throughout the offseason by sitting out. I really believe that at some points throughout the offseason when Rodgers was away from Green Bay, he was actually considering retiring. I really believe that. That's how bad this was getting with Green Bay and the way that they were able to restructure his contract for the one year. Who knows what the future actually does hold following this season. But I like Aaron Rodgers, man. I like the way he's playing. I like the way the Packers are playing. And by the way, I've hinted at this earlier in the top 10 rankings. Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers I've ever seen. He is no doubt, no hesitation, the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. But the chemistry that these two have, and really, we sometimes forget that Green Bay doesn't have a legitimate number two wide receiver like Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, even Robert Tunyon. He's a good tight end. But Devontae Adams is so good that we almost forget that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that legitimate number two wide receiver. Like, all the Aaron Rodgers wanted the Packers to do was draft T. Higgins. And imagine T. Higgins on the Packers now. Like, that would be pretty good to see. And even with that only one legit weapon in Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers is still balling out. Aaron Jones looks like he is one of the better running backs in the league. He's been doing it for a long time now. And when you look at the Packers' offensive line, this was a unit that had some question marks going into the season, right? This was a unit that lost Corey Lindsley, one of the better centers in the league that has been around Green Bay for a long time. They also have been down David Bakhtiari, one of the best left tackles in the NFL. He's been injured. He got hurt uh, towards the back end of last season, but they've brought in guys like Josh Myers and Royce Newman and Billy Turner, who's been there a while. He's playing right tackle. John Rudnian, Elgton Jenkins. Like These aren't common names that the common average football fan will know in terms of offensive linemen. And still, the Packers are finding a way to get the job done. And that's what good teams do. Even when adversity gets into your way, just find a way to win. Like last year, the Packers were the best team in the NFL because they were just blowing everyone out. Not a lot of their games were close. But this year, I've been impressed with the way they got punched in the mouth in week one and have handled their business ever since. You look at their next handful of games, they will be at Chicago this week, home against Washington, and then at Arizona in two weeks on Thursday night football. I want to see in that game how they come out against a really good Cardinal team that's undefeated, 5-0, and and are one of the better teams in the NFL. They then go to Kansas City after that. I want to see what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers do in those games. They have a home game against the Rams in there as well before the season ends. I want to see Green Bay go to war with some of the best teams in the league, and when the game turns into a barroom brawl, kind of like I mentioned with the Buffalo Bills and the Chiefs game last week. When the game turns physical, I want to see Green Bay go in there and get the job done because, to be honest, I am more confident right now in their ability to win close games when things are going tough than I was at any point last year, and I give Aaron Rodgers and the Packers organization a lot of credit for that. The Miami Dolphins have announced that Tua Tugavailoa, the quarterback that they took in the 2021 
NFL draft. One pick, if you remember, before the Los Angeles Chargers took Justin Herbert. The Dolphins have announced that Tua is going to get the start in week number six in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Dolphins had Tua start in week one, and then he got injured in the second game of the season in the first half against the Buffalo Bills. And unfortunately, the Dolphins have not been able to win a game with Jacoby Brissett under center. And I think this situation is so fascinating because it is just a different world we are living in in the NFL right now in 2021 compared to years we've seen in the past. And in terms of how long... Teams are willing to wait and uh, really see if the franchise quarterback they drafted is the answer or not. The first real example we saw of this was a couple of years ago when Cliff Kingsbury first got the Arizona Cardinals job. If you remember the year before, Steve Keim, right? The same general manager that drafted Josh Rosen in the top 15 in the first round at quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. They were so bad that year that they decided to move on from Josh Rosen after one year and they took Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. And I think we could all agree so far that decision has worked out well for the Arizona Cardinals. And I give Steve Kime credit because he realized that a move he made just one year earlier was a mistake that he needed to correct if he wanted the Arizona Cardinals to be on top of the NFL sooner rather than later. And of course, Arizona's on top of the NFL right now with the 5-0 and record, but they haven't won anything. It's only been two years, but I could already tell you that Kyler Murray has turned out to become a better player than Josh Rosen really ever would. And it's so interesting because for the Dolphins, when it comes to the selection of Tua over Justin Herbert, a lot of people will criticize the Dolphins and say, how did you not take Justin Herbert over Tua? But then there will be other people that will say, we all knew or at least thought that Tua Tugavailoa was the pick at uh, number six overall for Miami. We watched a lot of Tua Tugavailoa at Alabama, and most people, the consensus opinion agreed with Chris Greer, the general manager of the Miami Dolphins, for them to take Tua with the number six pick in 2020. And I get it. We all saw Tua play at Alabama. We all saw Justin Herbert play at Oregon, and I had plenty of concerns about Justin Herbert coming out. He had some Kirk Cousins vibes to me in the sense that before his last game, that big Rose Bowl win against Wisconsin, he had never really shown up for a big game. You guys remember that same season? Oregon was up big against Auburn week one and then fell apart in the end and lost. Don't you guys remember when Oregon easily could have made the playoff with Justin Herbert as their quarterback, and then they lost to Arizona State and Herm Edwards and a freshman quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who's still in school? Like, that Oregon team with Herbert could have been really good and really dangerous if they won one of those two games, and still, um, they weren't able to do that. They weren't able to make the playoff, but then later in that year, Oregon had a big win against Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. They beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, and Justin Herbert looked really good in both of those games, but still, they wanted Tua Tugavailoa. Everyone else wanted Tua, and that's fine. Here's the difference, though. We are fans 
We watch these players in college. We watch them once a week, but we are not NFL draft evaluators. Our job is not to determine which quarterback is going to be the best. That's Chris Greer's job, and he got the decision wrong. And I think what the Dolphins have learned so far since they've taken Tua, it's ironic because even though they drafted Tua, they had a really decent team around him. And when I say decent, you look at their team on paper and what they were able to do last year. They are, There weren't many superstars. You know, there weren't many great names. And I think the unfortunate thing is, is the reason why I was so high on Miami coming into the season was because last year, their roster, like, once again, wasn't great on paper. They didn't have star-studded names, and they were still able to find a way to win football games. I assumed that going into this season, with a somewhat healthy Tua, obviously he's healthy now, but he missed the last three games, with improvements in weapons in Waddle and Fuller, and it's unfortunate Fuller has not been able to stay on the field that uh, signing has not gotten off to a great start for Miami, but I thought they got some guys on both sides of the ball that would help improve their team, and so far it hasn't done that. But with Tua back in the mix, I think this situation is so interesting because the pressure is now on him. We could all agree the Dolphins have an owner in Steven Ross that wants to win now. He wants to win right away. The people of Miami have been desperate for the past 20 years to find the next Dan Marino. They've been looking for their guy for a while now. And Dolphin fans, understandably so, are frustrated that it looks like they could have had that guy in Justin Herbert who is tearing up the NFL right now, looking like not only one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, but looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the league, period. And they drafted Tua over him. And by the way, it's just interesting that in the NFL... Tua, he hasn't looked great. I totally understand that. There have been times when he's been on the NFL field and I've been watching and I've just said to myself, wow, this guy looks small. I don't know if this guy is going to be the answer for Miami at quarterback. And even with that being said, he's still been able to win football games, you know? Tua finished with a record of 6-3 and three last year. In the one game he started and finished this year, he won. But the problem is he hasn't really been popping. He hasn't really been able to make the big time throws like he was able to make at Alabama, like we've seen guys like Justin Herbert make. And that's the problem for Miami is right now without him, your team is so bad. And to be honest, I don't even know with the current shape of the Miami Dolphins, if Tua is even in a good position to succeed like that offensive line is an absolute disaster. Jesse Davis at left tackle. Did you guys see the hit that Tua took that got him injured against the Buffalo Bills? It was literally on a fourth down play. A defensive end for Buffalo came untouched. He wasn't even touched. Tua barely had any time to get rid of the ball, and he just got abused on a sack on that fourth down play, and we haven't seen him since. He's now going to play in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'll start off by saying this. Tua needs to win this game against the Jaguars. He really does have to. And I get it. Trevor Lawrence right now, I guess you could say, does look like the better quarterback. Lawrence hasn't been great to start off his NFL career, but at least he's flashed and have made a couple of really nice high-level throws where it's like, wow, that was impressive. And obviously, speaking of situations, Trevor Lawrence is not in the best situation in Jacksonville right now based on 
on Urban Meyer and everything that has gone on on that end of the spectrum. But hey, Tua is in a situation now in Miami where, okay, he has some talent around him and maybe him being inserted back into the lineup could provide this Dolphins team with a spark. But the prop, the prop, the crazy thing is this, and this is the bottom line, is if Tua doesn't play well for the rest of the season, there's a very good chance the Miami Dolphins are going to make a change at quarterback. And look, Tua, it's hard to evaluate what he's done this season just because he hasn't really played that much. And that's why these games are so important. Last year, the Dolphins were a really good team with Tua, without Tua. I loved the way Brian Flores handled the quarterback situation last year. And I'm willing to die on that stone. It may be an uncommon opinion, but Brian Flores was starting to, uh, now that time goes on, we start to realize that all of a sudden, when the Dolphins announced that Tua was going to be the starting quarterback, I believe it was like week eight, week nine last year, it came as a surprise to many because Ryan Fitzpatrick was actually winning games and getting the job done. But it was clear that Stephen Ross, the owner, just wanted to see what the young kid was able to do. And Brian Flores had to go by that. But as time went on, late in certain game situations, Flores realized, like, look, the only realistic chance we have to win this game is if Ryan Fitzpatrick is under center, the style he played with. Also, last year, it was clear Tua was recovering from that hip surgery. He clearly wasn't 100% healthy and ready to go for Miami. And I think it cost him. The lack of weapons cost him. The fact that Brian Flores last year when Tua was in the game, uh, he really didn't throw the ball more than 10 yards. Flores didn't ask him to do that. And then right away when Fitzpatrick comes in, Fitz was able to just sling the ball down the field. It seemed to me last year, the Dolphins were just using a different offense with Tua under center. And I want to see him be a little bit more aggressive. And I know that's crazy to sound uh, to say in the year 2021. And the fact that Tua in 2021 isn't really looking like the same guy he was at Alabama. At Bama, I get his weapons were great, but he was able to throw a really pretty football that was able to win games for Alabama. And I get it. The Dolphins' weapons in NFL context are nowhere close to those Alabama weapons he had. But I do like some of the weapons Miami brought in this year to help improve their team from a guy like Jalen Waddell at Alabama, who was a really good player. You have Mike Kosicki. They even brought in Malcolm Brown from the Rams, a decent running back, Miles Gaskin. Like you have Devontae Parker is still there. Like he has a better group of weapons around him this year than he does last year. Hopefully we will see Will, be- will Fuller back sooner rather than later. But it's just crazy because for a quarterback that has only played in, in a handful of games and is won a lot of them like he's only played in you know 10 career games and he's won seven of them um there's a lot of pressure on him because the Dolphins it seems to me they are trying to find their next Dan Marino it seems to me that Stephen Ross their owner wants Deshaun Watson and that is a huge risk I think really the reason why Miami hasn't traded for him yet is because of everything that has been going on with him off the field keep in mind the reason why Deshaun Watson isn't playing football right now is not because the NFL has suspended him. It's because he has voluntarily said, like, I'm done with the Houston Texans. I'm never playing a game for them again. The only reason he reported to Texans camp was so he wouldn't get fined. And the Texans 
they want to trade him, but at the same time, they want to trade him for an appropriate return. They believe, and of course, rightfully so, that when he's good, Deshaun Watson is worth, you know, three first round picks. And I just don't think a team, even like Miami, would be willing to give that up based on the unknowns around Deshaun Watson. There is a chance by the time all of these investigations are over and done with that Deshaun Watson uh, could be in jail and he may never, may never play football again. Like, we don't know. I'm curious to see if the Dolphins feel like after the season, Tua just isn't the answer would they be willing to take that risk for Deshaun because really even though it looks like Tua does have till the end of the season really it just seems like that um the the Dolphins they're be they're, they'd be willing to move on from Tua but they would just have to know if they're getting Deshaun Watson what exactly the deal is how long his suspension is going to be and the NFL can't really do anything until all of the details of his legal issues are taken care of so there's a lot of pressure on Tua if he doesn't do well in these next couple games to end this season. There's a good chance he is not going to be under center for the Miami Dolphins next year. And it's just crazy. The NFL universe we live in right now where teams have said to themselves, look, if we realize right away, whether it's a year in, whether it's two years in, that the guy we drafted is not the answer and we made a mistake, we have to correct it sooner rather than later if we want to end up winning and fulfilling our ultimate goal. I also found it interesting that Miami, they had the number three pick last year, right? They could have drafted a guy like Trey Lance or Mac Jones or even a Justin Fields, and they decided to stick with Tua when they could have had really any of those guys. Maybe they could have made a trade, one pick up for Zach Wilson. Who knows? I know the Jets love him but Miami had all the assets they could have traded you know really anything and they stick with Tua Tugavailoa I'm gonna be curious to see if it costs them or not without further ado on the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast it is now time to predict each and every one of the 14 games that will be going on in week number six this is going to be the first week of the NFL season where a handful of teams will be off this week on the bye. The Jets, the 49ers, the Falcons, and the Saints will all be off this week. So if you have any players from those teams in your fantasy lineup, just make sure you sit them once again. The Jets, Falcons, 49ers, and Saints all on the bye this week. And let's pick some football games. So far, through 80 games, through five weeks of the season, I am 49 and 31 with my picks. I want to see that number keep on improving and getting better. I know it hasn't been an ideal start to the season. We went 9 and 7 with the picks last week. I guess the only good thing we could say is that we've gone over 500 each and every week. But without further ado, hit the music. It's time to pick some games. Let's do it. Thursday night football. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming in with a record of 4-1. They're heading to Philly, taking on the Eagles, who are now sitting with a record of 2-3. And And I'll say this. I was impressed what happened with Philly in week number 5 against Carolina because, to be honest, just wasn't a game I thought they were capable of winning. And the Eagles' defense played really well. And they were able to go in there and lead the way, frustrate Sam Darnold, and get the victory. The other good thing for Philadelphia in this game is Tampa Bay is super banged up. Levante David, 
looks like he's out with an ankle injury. Gronk with the ribs, he's out. Antoine Winfield, he's out. Ryan Jensen is questionable. Jason Pierre-Paul is questionable. The only real injury going on in Philly right now is Lane Johnson uh, out due to a personal matter. However, I do think the Buccaneers win this game. I do. I just think they're the better team. And even though it is in Philly on a Thursday night, I do think Tampa Bay will have just enough to find a way to win. However, I do also think that when it comes to the Eagles in this game, they'll make it close. I like them to cover the seven points if anyone is into that. And I just think the Eagles, they're a very up-and-down team. I I like their defense. I think they have some guys on that unit who can make plays. However, the offense is just a little too up-and-down for me, and I cannot pick Jalen Hurts over Tom Brady in any game. I'm not necessarily sure if Nick Sirianni is the answer for the Eagles, but I am not completely sold on this Buccaneer team right now. Their defense has really just not uh, not been getting the job done. I'm going to take Tampa Bay to win. But I'm curious to see what the Buccaneers look like the next time they go up against a really good team. I don't think Philly is that. Tampa Bay, the game against Miami last week was closer than you would expect. I think this game is going to be closer than a lot of people will expect as well. I like Tampa over Philly. Let's go to the London game. This will be a good one. The Miami Dolphins sitting at 1-4. and four. We just spoke a lot about everything uh, going on with Tua Tugavailoa and the amount of pressure that is going to be on him going not only into this game, but for the remainder of the season. They will be taking on the 0-5 Jacksonville Jaguars. And one thing I'll say about Jacksonville is even though Urban Meyer has been in the news for all of the wrong reasons, they are a team that when you've watched them, they've showed signs of improving at least throughout the first four weeks. They kind of went a little bit backwards in week number five when they got blown out by the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry ran all over them. And I'm going to take the Dolphins to win this game for this simple reason. The, The Dolphins need this game. Their season, you could make the argument, is already over. But if they could just find a way to win, get to 2-4, and four, and we'll see what happens with Tua Tugavailoa leading the way. I just think Brian Flores is going to get his players to play harder than Urban Meyer is. And when you combine that with the fact that the Jaguars, their season's done. I expect Urban Meyer to be gone by the end of the year. Miami needs this game. Their defense is too good to be playing this bad. I think Tua going to London sparks Miami. The Dolphins play hard on defense and find a way to get the job done. But I'll admit it. I had the Dolphins winning the AFC East before the season started. They've been one of the more disappointing teams in the NFL for me. It sucks that their starting quarterback, Tua Tugavailoa, went down. But everyone told me how good Jacoby Brissett was as a backup. And he went 0-3 in the three starts that he made for the Dolphins. So I think when it comes to Miami, they are a team that needs a win desperately. I think Jacksonville season is over. I do like what I've been seeing from Trevor Lawrence. You know, I give him a slight chance to make enough plays. Keep in mind also these two quarterbacks faced off in the 2018 or yeah, 2018 national championship. Lawrence was the better quarterback that day. I think Tua will get some revenge and find a way to get the win for the Dolphins. How about this one? Let's get to the 1 o'clock games. The Chargers, they're sitting at 4-1. and one. They will be heading on the road to Baltimore, taking on the 4-1 and one Ravens. 
I think this is going to be a phenomenal game. I think these are two of the better teams in the NFL. If you missed it in the top 10, I did put both of these teams in my current top 10 teams in the NFL. So this is a heavyweight matchup. I'm going to take the Ravens to win this game at home. I think they're going to be able to run all over the Chargers. Look, I love the Chargers. They're a great team, but their defense has been a little concerning. And I think going into this environment in Baltimore might just be where they get caught. The Ravens, I think, are going to be able to run the ball all over the Chargers. And it's interesting because the Ravens are kind of turning into a team that could win games in multiple ways, which makes them, I think, an even bigger threat possibly than years past. We saw on Monday Night Football, Lamar Jackson had to pass the ball in order to get the Ravens the win. And what did he do? Exactly that. He threw for over 400 yards and got the Ravens the win. The Chargers, on the other hand, they can't run the football. I think the Ravens are going to take advantage of that. I like Baltimore over the Chargers. And look, I like the Chargers. I think they're one of the three best teams in the NFL right now. But I think that even though they're really good, a lot of their games of late have been close. They easily could have lost to the Browns easily could have lost to the Chiefs. Honestly, easily could have lost to the Washington football team in week one. I think that finally catches up to them. I know you could obviously say the same thing about Baltimore and the schedule they've played so far, but at home with Lamar Jackson, I just don't want to bet against that guy right now, but both of these quarterbacks have been playing great football. I will be on Baltimore over the Chargers. How about the Rams? They're sitting with a record of 4-1. and one. They will be heading on the road to MetLife Stadium, taking on the New York Giants. And it is looking like Daniel Jones will play. He's still questionable with the concussion. That was a brutal hit he took on uh, America's Game of the Week last week. I really do hope he's okay. You also hope Saquon Barkley is okay. Uh, he's not going to play this week. Kenny Galladay and the rest of the Giant receivers are an unknown right now. And look... It's, a, it's unfortunate for the Giants because since I called them out the last two games they've played, there have been some bright spots. This kid, Kadarius Tony, he looks like a player. And the other day in Dallas with Daniel Jones on the field, with Saquon Barkley on the field, Kenny Galladay on the field, that game was 10-10 early. And then the Giants just started dropping like flies. Andrew Thomas, their second-year offensive tackle, who has actually played much better this year than he did last year. He's looking like a positive for the Giants. Looks like he's going to be out as well. I just think the Giant team is too banged up, even if Daniel Jones does start. An interesting stat for you. You guys know that in his career at MetLife Stadium, his home, <clears throat> excuse me, his home stadium, Daniel Jones is 4-17. and 17. He can't win at home. And I just don't know when your starting quarterback starts off 4-17 and 17 at home if he's going to be able to be the guy of the future. You usually know by year three, year four, if the guy is a definitive answer. And I'm not calling Daniel Jones bad. I actually thought he's gotten off to a much better start this season than many would have expected. But I just don't trust him against Sean McVay. Don't trust him against Matthew Stafford. I still think the Rams are the best team in the NFL right now. I'm going to be on the Rams to find a way to beat the New York Giants. We'll go to the Washington football team. They're going to be at home sitting with the record of two and three. They will be hosting the Kansas City Chiefs, and they just announced actually earlier this morning that they're going to be retiring Sean Taylor's number at halftime. And look, I love Sean Taylor. 
He was one of my favorite players to watch growing up as a kid. And his legacy still lives on for me. But I just don't love how, in wake of everything that's been going on with John Gruden and Bruce Allen and, once again, the Washington football team, their public culture and the working conditions that go on there after one good year. And I think Washington did a really good job last year in just a year stretch trying to improve that. And it looked like a team for the first time in a while where people actually wanted to go play for Ron Rivera and go play in Washington. But for them to retire Sean Taylor's number at halftime and to announce it three days before to almost cover up everything that's been going on with Bruce Allen and John Gruden and that story in the news lately, it really just looks like they're doing it because it's a distraction. I don't love it. I think the Washington football team is in trouble in this one. Kansas City is going to be hungry. I like the Chiefs to go out there and defeat the Washington football team. Moving on to the next game, we will go to the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers, a team we spoke about earlier on this show. They're sitting with a record of 4-1. and one. They will be heading on the road to Chicago taking on the Bears, who are sitting at 2-3. and three, or I'm sorry, 3-2. and two. And I'll tell you what, this is a big game for the Chicago Bears because here's the deal. If they can just somehow, someway, find a way to win this game, then they need to be taken seriously as a team that can make the playoffs. And it's funny because last year, the Bears weren't good, right? You watched them, you didn't think they were a playoff team, but all of a sudden... They found a way to make it with Mitch Trubisky because the Arizona Cardinals fell apart at the end. The Bears defense the other day against the Raiders actually played one of the more impressive games I've seen from them in a long time. It was one of those games where even though Justin Fields threw his first career touchdown, he got his first career win. The Bears were really able to win that game because of their defense, which should be one of the best five units in the NFL. If the Bears want any shot to win this game against Green Bay, they're going to need a similar performance from their defense. And unfortunately for Bears fans, I just don't see it. The way Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are playing right now, I don't think that they are a team that you could beat. Aaron Rodgers is playing at a high level. Devontae Adams and him just have elite chemistry. I think the Packers should be in the conversation for best team in the NFC. To be honest, I wanted to rank them even higher than I had them on my top 10 list. I had them at number six. I do think they do at least can make the argument to be in the top five. I like Green Bay to get the win over Chicago. They're playing some great football. Watch out. The Cincinnati Bengals, they are sitting with a record of 3-2. and two. They'll be heading on the road to Detroit to take on the 0-5 Lions. And look, I feel for Dan Campbell and the Lions. I really do think they easily could have won last week. They went for the two-point conversion with about a minute left to give them the lead, and Kirk Cousins led the Vikings down the field, and they kicked the game-winning 54-yard field goal to give the Vikings the win and Dan Campbell you really saw the emotion in him in his post-game press conference after the game and you could really tell that he cares that's one thing I feel like in the last couple coaches for the Detroit Lions Matt Patricia and guys like that like they didn't care they they just would always talk and Matt Patricia was trying to be Bill Belichick Jr. 
and it clearly wasn't working. It's good for Detroit to have a guy who just cares about the team. He's all about positivity. I think Dan Campbell is the perfect coach for the Lions. For the Bengals, I think this is a good team. I do. I don't know how great of a head coach Zach Taylor is, but I do think that he has a lot of talent to work with. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. Cincinnati's defense has actually been one of the more good, surprising, better defensive units in the NFL being led uh, by guys like Trey Henderson and Von Bell. Like, they have some players on that defense. The linebacking core, Pratt, Wilson, pretty good as well. I think the Bengals win this game. I think they're a sleeper team in the AFC to actually make the playoffs as long as Joe Burrow is healthy. That's my only concern. This guy was taken to the hospital after the game against the Green Bay Packers, which somehow, some way, he was able to finish. Impressive job there. And I'm just a huge Joe Burrow fan. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He just plays with a certain attitude that I like, and he always gives his ch- his team a great chance to win. I think there's some more positive juju around the Bengals right now than the Lions. I'll take the Bengals. The Vikings, they will be heading to Carolina, taking on the Panthers. The Vikings sitting at 2-3. and three. The Panthers sitting at 3-2. and two. I will take the Panthers to win this game. I just think flat out they are the better team playing at home. And I get it. Last week's effort against the Philadelphia Eagles at home was super disappointing. I thought the Panthers were better than that. To be honest, I know they're better than that. I know that... Sam Darnold is a better quarterback than the way he played in that one, especially with Matt Rule and Joe Brady by his side. It is unknown what Christian McCaffrey's status is going to be for this one, but I think Carolina has the better defense. It's looking like Stephon Gilmore is going to play as well, and I think they're going to find a way to get the job done. I'm not the biggest fan of Minnesota. If you ask me right now, which team would you rather buy stock in in the NFC North, Minnesota or Chicago? The answer for me would actually be Chicago because I know the Bears defense at least has the potential to be great. Even though they were able to find a way to get the win against Detroit last year, they, last week, they were winning that whole game. It shouldn't have been close. <clears throat> I like the Vikings to go out there and lose to Carolina. Give me the Panthers over the Vikings. Continuing with the 1 o'clock games, last one, Indianapolis. They're sitting at 1-4, heartbreaking loss on Monday Night Football. They will be heading to Houston taking on the one in four Texans and it's crazy because the Texans actually had a really good chance to go into Foxborough last week and beat the New England Patriots. That game was in Houston, I'm sorry, but they easily could have beaten the Patriots. The game was at home and look, I like the Colts to win this game. I just think that in this situation, they are the better team and even though they lost against Baltimore, I was impressed with how their defense came out in that game. I think the result was just more of Lamar Jackson being the best quarterback on the planet. He is so hard to stop. And I just think Indy's a better team than that. I think this is a game they need. I will take the Colts over Houston. Davis Mills at least looked decent in that game against New England. I'm still not 100% sure if at this point he's ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. But hey, I give him a shot. I give him credit. Texans are at least playing hard. I will take Indy. How about this one? Four o'clock. The battle of former Oklahoma Sooner quarterbacks. Kyler Murray leading the Arizona Cardinals. They are sitting at 5-0, the West undefeated team in the NFL. They will be heading to Cleveland, taking on the 3-2 Browns. And this is a big game. Both of these quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, 
both Oklahoma alum. You know Lincoln Riley would be crowd. But both of these offenses could really score the football. And I think when it comes to this one, I like Cleveland. I do. I wouldn't be shocked if Arizona would win this game. I have better against them a lot so far this season. But I think Cleveland needs a win bad. I think they're better than 3-3. Three and three. And I do think they're a good football team. Playing at home, they'll find a way to bounce back. But I will say, the Cardinals are legit. Their defense, even without Chandler Jones, looks like he's going to be out for this game with COVID. Um, their defense has been good. I think Cleveland's defense is better than what we saw against the Los Angeles Chargers. I give Baker Mayfield credit when we were all bailing on him last week. He played all right in that game against the Chargers. More than all right, actually. He played well. The reason why I said all right was because Kevin Stefanski was running the ball with him on uh, third and eight. He didn't necessarily trust his quarterback to make the big play on third and eight. I think in this environment, playing at home, Cleveland will do just enough to find a way to get the win over Arizona. Dallas, they're sitting at 4-1. and one. They'll be heading to Foxborough, taking on the 2-3, uh, and three, or, yeah, the 2-3 and three Patriots. And I'll say this about New England. It's crazy, because usually when it's Mike McCarthy versus Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick is the home team, you would never think to take Mike McCarthy's team. But I'm actually going to. I'm going to take Dallas to beat New England, and it's pretty simple. I just think they're the better football team. They're way more talented. They're way more explosive on the offensive side of the ball. You can even make the argument their defense is better. I just don't love New England right now. They really should have lost that game to Houston. I'll give Matt Jones credit for making the comeback. He made some nice throws. He looked poised. He didn't panic, which is uh, you know, good to say about a rookie quarterback. I feel like with most of these rookie quarterbacks, if they were to go down by more than two scores at any point in the game, you would just see them panicking and turning the ball over nonstop. I like how Matt Jones sat in there patiently and found a way to get his team the victory, but that was against the Houston Texans. This is the other team from Texas. I think the Cowboys right now are one of the five best teams in the NFL. Dak is playing the best football of his career. Even going into Foxborough, I will take Dallas to get the win over New England. The Raiders. They are going to be playing, of course, in their first game without head coach John Gruden. Rick Basaccia will take over and coach his first ever NFL game. The Broncos... They need this one as well. They started their season off 3-0. They've lost the last two. I'm going to take the Broncos to win this game at home. I have to be out on the Raiders, man. And it's unfortunate because I gave them a lot of credit for the start that they got off to. I think their defense to start off the season was playing much more improved football. But they've lost the last two games. And their offense was not good at all last week. I get the Bears' defense is really good. But... If you couldn't score against that Bears defense going on the road to Denver in a game this Broncos team needs, you know, look, I didn't think they were the best team in the AFC after their 3-0 start, but I did think that they were better than the team they were last week at Pittsburgh, and I'm not even going to totally just ignore the fact that the Steelers, they needed that game. Playing at home, Teddy Bridgewater was banged up. The more I thought about it, even though I sat here last week on the show and picked Denver, I kind of had a good idea Pittsburgh was going to win by game time. With that being said, I think Denver finds a way to bounce back and beat the Raiders here at home. Give me Denver over the Raiders. I just like the mindset around the Broncos team a little bit more. The Seahawks, they'll be heading on the road to Pittsburgh Sunday night football, taking on the Steelers. Russell Wilson will miss 
the first game in his NFL career in this one, Geno Smith, getting the start. I'll take the Steelers to win this game. I trust their defense at Heinz Field enough for them to win this one against Seattle. And look, I like the Seahawks a lot. Um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett with a veteran quarterback like Geno Smith, that could get you some yards and that could get you some points. Even against Ben Roethlisberger, though, it's very hard for me to trust this Seahawks defense. They have been letting everyone, every quarterback they faced all season look good. I will take Pittsburgh to get the win over Seattle. And then Monday Night Football, Bills, Titans, I will take Buffalo to get this win, which would advance them to 5-1. and one. Tennessee, they're sitting with a record of 3-2. and two. A loss would move them to 3-3. Three and three. Even though Tennessee looks like the team to beat in the AFC South right now, I'm still not really impressed with them. And I can say confidently right now to me, Buffalo might just be the best team in the AFC. And it's either them or the Chargers. I would say Buffalo definitely is the best team in the AFC right now because of their defense and the way that's played. I'm curious to see in a big game at home in primetime, Monday Night Football, what Tennessee's offense could do. The thing about the Titans, which is crazy, is that their offense is good because it's difficult to game plan for. We see everyone in the NFL just pass the ball around the field. And Tennessee could do that, especially if A.J. Brown and Julio Jones play. But you also have to prepare for the Tennessee Titans to just run the ball down your throat. I'll take the Bills in this one. I just think they're the better team. I think they're the better defense. And I do think they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I really do. So to recap, I'll go Tampa over Philly. Miami over Jacksonville, the Ravens over the Chargers, Rams over the Giants, Chiefs over Washington, Packers over the Bears, Bengals over the Lions, Panthers over the Vikings, Colts over the Texans, Cards losing to the Browns, I'll take Cleveland, Cowboys beating New England, Denver over the Raiders, Pittsburgh over Seattle, and Buffalo over Tennessee. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Episodes will drop multiple times a week as we go over all the most interesting storylines in all of sports. Look forward to talking some football, some college basketball, everything in between. And there is just nothing better than talking sports with you guys on this show. Thanks for listening once again. If you want to get in contact with me, the Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L, Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3, YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. This was the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Everyone have a good one.